0: This is the Health Witch Podcast, where we will explore one tarot card of the day, a beauty recipe, a herb of the day, how we use it, how we enjoy it, and how we appreciate its magic, and which in practice, how it relates to health, and ending with a historical note to honor witches, healers, and women of past. The card I chose, today was the Knight of Pentacles, now I am working with the Deviant Moon Tarot deck, which is a, I'm not even sure how to describe this, it's a, a man in a cart or a knight in a cart holding a pentacle with a moon shining upon him. Now when you do pick this card, this really has something to do with moving forward or having this kind of momentum for career or even finances. So this card, you know, I don't want to say it's so, or about the monotonous day in and day out tasks, but really finding the determination to carry out those tasks that need to be done. Um, also, it's, you know, when you pull this card, it's maybe a warning sign to not try, you know, as bad as it sounds, not try new roads or not to really experiment too much, but Do the tried and true, put in the work, and really find those rituals, those daily rituals that help you forge a a solid life and a solid foundation. Um, You know, on the flip side, though, if you do draw this card, it might point to some irresponsibility or a lack of motivation or just some kind of Inconsistencies in your life that need to be remedied, either through again rituals or coming up with a plan to really get to is uh, get to what you need to get to, whatever that might be. Um, so approach these tasks and approach to where you need to be with a level of sensibility, but also be conservative in your actions. So I hope this helps. So what does the Knight of Pentacles mean for self-care and for health? As monotonous as it sounds, you know, come up with a to-do list and begin to check off some of those things as you go through your day. It is very liberating to check those things off your list, but also don't get too crazy. I've mentioned this before, but make a list of some of the top things that really do Uh, Bring you stress or unease and make sure that those are at the top of your list and maybe you just put a total of three things on your list. But also too, this is a good time for reflection and really begin to think about really strengthening your rituals that you have going on, whether that's really strengthening a meditative practice that you do have that is very beneficial uh, you know, if I fall out of meditation sometimes, or I don't do it for a week, it's it it is a little bit of work getting back into. It's like not working out for a week and expecting to get back in that running mood, or letting yoga go for a couple weeks and trying to get back into it. You're gonna feel a little bit stiff. You're gonna feel a little bit, um, rusty in the sense. So get back into your rituals, whether that's for body, mind. Um, But even in the financial realm or, you know, just begin to find a a really healthy strategic plan for yourself. Everybody is wondering about the coronavirus and what are some treatments or especially for treatments just the general flu. Um, You know, when I look at preventative medicine, it is inherent practices that really safeguard our everyday health by Yes, as basic as the sounds, washing your hands, covering your mouth, um, and eating wholesome foods, but also stress management to manage those cortisol levels and to make sure that your body isn't inflamed or a constant state of inflammation that really breaks down your natural defenses. But a herb and flower, or the berry here, I should say, elderberries and flowers, now you can enjoy these. I think everybody associates this with preventative medicine and to make sure that people don't get the flu. And I see I go to the health food store. There are tons of different elderberry syrups, but there are more than you know a syrup way to enjoy elderberries and flowers. So you can use the berries and the flowers, which do you might be able, even able to find an elderberry wine, which is fantastic. Um, Though I know it's a little tricky to find, but that is something that you can make at home as well. Jams and jellies, and you could also use the berries to flavor meat. So if you're cooking something like lamb, um, or if you want to even flavor um, tofu and kind of give it that spicy elderberry, you could even mix it with a juniper berry to give it a little bit of spice with some pepper and put it on a salad, which is another good way to enjoy it. Um, You could also make it elderflower water, which actually is a great facial rinse. Now, of course, you're not ingesting those properties, but it's just a good way of soothing the face and getting that kind of plant energy, that plant energy of protection. Um, So you could also put on your eyes. So especially if you are experiencing some feverish kind of conditions, you know, putting some cool cotton rounds on your eyes, or just something that just helps you heal and get you in that relaxed state, again, to really bring down, help bring down that inflammation. Um, You can also drink elderflower tea, which is used as a painkiller in the treatment of colds, which is another interesting way of enjoying this. I usually do a infusion, which is just like a tea, but it's steeped a little bit longer. So the typical rule of thumb for for me anyway is taking a tablespoon of the dried herb and then putting it in a cup and letting it sit there for um you know maybe an hour or at least 10 minutes and I apologize if you hear my dog uh, barking in the background here um so you can take that infusion too so you can internally drink it or you can rub it on your skin and if it's during the summer this actually helps keep the flies and pests away or any kind of insects that you don't want just an interesting side note Um, you could also use the poultice of elder leaves for dressing bruises or any strains you strains you might have like if you sprained your leg or something of the sort just again to bring that soothing quality to um, to that bruise Or injury, And let's see, you know, other things you might want to keep in mind. Um, It's just if you are using any of these herbs, use them with caution. If you have any pre-existing health conditions, you may want to check with your doctor first. Also, whenever I'm experimenting with a new herb or a new product, I like to take it by itself to understand the kind of effect that it has on me personally. So enjoy. A listener called in this uh, this question. So Alessa, thank you for sending in this question. A question was, crow's feet, dry eyes, and how do I prevent from getting crow's lines or these wrinkles around the eyes and really preventing eye strain? So I just recently purchased a pair of blue light blocking glasses. They're not prescription glasses. They're... Glasses I can put on when I'm working at computer screens or staring at my phone, because by the end of the day, if you've been looking at that computer screen, your eyes are going to hurt or feel strained. They're going to be maybe even a little bloodshot. So wearing those glasses, especially if you need to do computer work at night or you want to look at your phone at night, but you don't want to interrupt your sleep patterns, that's another great option. So wearing sunglasses during the day. Sunglasses are a great way to really never directly look at the sun. And again, you're not squinting your eyes because it's too bright. So whenever you squint your eyes, you're forming those patterns and really conditioning those muscles around the eyes and that really thin skin to, again, look wrinkle or wrinkly. Um, another one you could do is avoid chemical makeup removers and really, really heavy eye creams. Most people think, well, all the moisture and those heavy eye creams are doing me a world of good. More than likely they're not. They're really clogging up the pores. I know shea butters and those coconut butters tend to be very, very heavy and clogging. You might even start to get those little white bumps around the eyes. And that's a good indication that your eye cream is just too, too heavy. Also, if you're going to do, most people don't even know how a moisturizer even really works, you're supposed to put a serum or some kind of water-based or maybe a nice aloe that also helps with under eye circles and then put the moisturizer on top to trap that moisture and that's what the moisturizer does. It really is there to trap in the moisture and not provide that moisture. Another thing you can do is making sure if you do wash your face with cotton, just be really gentle again. The eye area is a very thin skin, so be gentle with the eyes. Um, you could also do some facial massages. You can do this a couple times a day whenever you're really feeling that eye strain or beginning to get that strained kind of headache is to take your fingers you kind of pinch between your eyebrows uh, so starting at the bridge of the nose and moving outward. And you can do that for a couple times till whenever you're feeling that strain really dissipate, maybe anywhere between two to five times, and again, that's, that's a personal choice. Also make a constant effort to blink. Most of the time we're staring at our computer screens, and we're never really giving ourselves a chance to blink and to really remoisturize the eyes. And take a step away from the computer, so every 20 minutes I'll step away from the computer, um, just to again, just let my eyes relax for a little bit, you could also do eye bath treatments, so doing some kind of herbal um, wash or just really rinsing your eyes with water or some kind of saline solution if your eyes are really bloodshot. So I hope this helps. Just a side note here: I know that I have been absent on Instagram and even Facebook. I have just been so busy working on events, meeting people face-to-face, working with clients, you know, doing the research, making these new potions, so I really am doing it all, and I do refuse to hire a social media manager. I want my connections to be with all of you, and I want you to know that whenever I do post or whenever I do communicate through blog, through podcast... Through whatever medium, email, you are connecting with me and only me. But do have patience. You know, I do get to all of your emails as soon as I possibly can. Another thing, I am working on my website. I am revamping it a little bit. It's in a constant state of really evolution. So if you do go back on the website and you notice it to be a little bit different, don't worry. It's me. You didn't stumble on a false site or anything like that healthwitch.org that is me i'm just as i'm going and learning how to do this process i'm learning with all of you in the sense is to really find imagery and really connect you to um the information the wellness information events um anything i can to really um just make it more appealing another thing too so the 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 page that I did add was the events page. So I will be doing different events throughout New England. I am based in New England. If you are interested in some of these events, click on the links. I do give you the links there to register. All the classes that I do are small or workshops that I do are small. So they're really intimate. I love to have that one-on-one connection with all of you. I want that opportunity for you and for us to really hash out those questions and really come up with a wellness plan. And for you to leave with information that's really meaningful for you. So many of the workshops are just anywhere between a space of eight and a cap of twenty for most for most workshops. So if you're interested in some of those, please sign up as soon as possible because space does sell out really quickly. But also too, if there are venues or um any kind of events that you would like me to participate in, send me a link or, you know, send me a shout out and I'm happy to look those over and to visit all of you. As you will have gathered by now, this podcast is not a typical podcast. I'm not going around interviewing all these people. It's more of a, here's what I'm finding. Here's what I think will help other people or I'm addressing questions that I have received, and it's really me just gushing out really exciting and useful and really just interesting information. So here is what I found as far as bathing with the five elements inside and out. A lot of the information that I do introduce to a lot of people does come from witchcraft, which are, for me anyway, many of these ancient European tribal healing traditions And I do bridge them with other ancient medicinal systems around the world, but also try to link it up with contemporary science. So it means something to us and it really does hold a lot of weight in how do we really vamp up or level up our health. So this one's really interesting. So bathing with the five elements inside and out. So internally as well as externally. This is a core part of Ayurvedic medicine or um, Ayurveda. It's... And some of these, you know, I'm definitely going to incorporate more of these as I was doing my research the past week here, is air baths or space baths. I guess we'll start with space baths. So deep meditation for the mind and for the body to really begin to purify all levels of life. So taking up a space, taking up your space, sitting down and doing the meditation work. Meditation is great because it allows the body to relax and the mind to heal itself It's something that is very ritualized, so you will have to practice. If you're able to really learn the techniques of meditation and you feel very comfortable with it right off the bat, that's wonderful. But for most people, it's a process. It's a learning process. There's a little bit of a learning curve to sit down and do nothing for 10 minutes. It sounds so easy, but it can be so hard, right? Because we have so many things going on in our life but take the time to actually find your space, find a time to do your meditations. And it does get easier with time. Air baths, so internally you could do deep breathing. Breathing is very important to, again, connect you to your body, but also to begin to just get in a relaxed mode. So to really calm down your system by finding a breathing pattern to let all that hot air and all that stress out and really breathe in a healing energy and how you do these breathing techniques There are so many different breathing techniques i don't have time to get into all these with this podcast and it's even a little bit difficult to explain this over a podcast but there are many different breathing techniques that you could do or look them up online there are You know, there's moon cleansing or moon breathing and uh, solar breathing. There are kundalini. There are, um, you could do the elemental breathings. You could do counting and pace or begin to breathe to certain mantras that you hold dear to yourself. So there are different ways of doing this. Now, externally, for an air bath, you could go for a walk in the, you know, as the sun rises Again, very soothing. Or do a moonlight walk. Moonlight walk, depending on, you know, hopefully it's safe where you are and just really take in the moon and the energy of the moon. It's just really, really calming. Um, and water baths. So water baths could be something like drinking water or herbal teas. I love drinking herbal teas whenever I'm in a ritual or if I want to draw in all the different elements from my meditation Externally, you could do hydrotherapy, which is also known as just taking a bath. So I know many people don't have the luxury of taking a bath. Having a bathtub is something that's great to have. But if you don't have that, you could put your feet in a bucket and really do a a bath for your feet to cleanse your feet to get some of that kind of hydrotherapy. Another thing that you could do as far as looking at baths. So there are fire baths. Internally, you could eat hot spices that really rev up your digestion. So, I'm thinking chilies, again, anything with a spice to it chilies, turmerics, um, even your curries, anything that has a good spice to it to really, again, amp up that digestive system. Externally, you could do something like sunbathing, saunas, and steam baths especially during the winter or anytime you can, getting a little bit of sun exposure is actually very, very good to take in that vitamin D that helps decrease your risk for cancer and other illnesses that's, again, vitamin D helps combat. And then there are earth baths. So you could do, externally, do a mud bath, so something with clays or muds to really mineralize your skin or remineralize your skin it just leaves your skin feeling very, very nice and really purifies the skin. And internally, this one was interesting. I don't really recommend this one. And I, Well, to be honest with you, I don't know too much about this one. It's cleansing mud drinks. I don't know if I want to drink a mud. I think it's something maybe along the lines of drinking like an activated charcoal. It just helps absorb all those toxins, uh, within your system. But again, I don't know if I really recommend that one. It's just something that came up in Ayurvedic practice. If you know more of this or you want to send me a little information on this, if you are an expert in this, I'd be I'd love to hear more about these mud drinks. But when I think about grounding in nutrition functional medicine, I think about very grounding foods. So foods that contain a lot of protein tend to be very grounding, especially if you feel that your system's just... You're feeling too bloated or you're just eating too many fruits and vegetables a little too much fiber you might want to integrate a little bit more protein into your diets so with those meats even if they are vegetarian meats so your, your your tofus again your meats your chickens whatever it may be whatever is whatever diet plan you have uh, just having or integrating more protein Here is another great question. Again, I love all these questions coming in, so please keep the questions coming in. A person asks, what is a witch's bottle? And I here's some information that I found. I don't um, use witch's bottles or create witch bottles for my practice. However, I am very interested in them as far as looking at witch bottles in the archeological record. There is a witch bottle that was recently found in England Uh, There's been a couple found in Scotland that date to the 1600s and the 1700s. And Jamestown, Virginia just recently found a witch bottle in their archaeological excavations as well. So these would be typically placed in the chimney. And actually, if, if you were going to deconstruct a historical chimney in a house, you will find if somebody was coming down the chimney that the cross would be um, the way it should be. So, if you're looking at or looking up the chimney per se, the cross would look like it's upside down. Now, if that makes sense, because they were afraid of evil spirits coming down the chimney, so they want the cross to be upright to really offer that protection. And they would put witches' bottles in there. So, witches' bottles were typically not created by witches themselves, they were created to keep witches away in the historical record. So, Though in more contemporary settings, we do see more witches partaking in this practice. So what are they? You can take a bottle. These could be glass, ceramics, stone, even metal bottles or whatever you have for a bottle, maybe even plastic bottle. Though I don't really recommend plastic bottles just because we don't want to pollute. And there's just something about plastic that just, I don't know, it just doesn't really aid to the ritual And then we take these bottles and put a couple pins in there. Now, three tends to be a number that sticks out as far as um, magical significance. So placing three pins, some needles or some nails inside the bottle, and then filling the bottle with salt. So salt is something that we know in a ritual to really absorb that negative energy and to offer protection. And you would make this bottle a personal bottle so how do you make it personal you would add something like your fingernails your hair uh, maybe even menstrual blood maybe pricking your finger or something some kind of bodily fluid that really identifies you or has a part of you in that bottle and then you would seal that bottle and bury it under the hearth or somewhere near the home um, to again have that protection so I hope that answers your 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 um, your question as far as what a witch bottle is If I come across any more historical notes on witch bottles, I will pass them along and let you know. Thank you all for listening to this episode and listening to this podcast. If you like what you hear, please leave me a rating or leave me a comment and really subscribe to this. It helps other people find this podcast. And a brief announcement. I will be at the Witches' Night Out that will be held in Providence, Rhode Island on March Thirteenth, So that is coming up. Please come and visit, talk or ask questions. And just, um, I'd like to meet all of you. And again, that is in Providence. That is March 13th. And I believe it's from 5 to 10 p.m. I will also be giving a very brief TED Talk. And it's all about green witchery. So if you are interested in green witchery or green witchcraft, that will be the place to be. So everyone, be well and stay well. And thank you all, witches.